Welcome back to the movement, everybody. It's always such a pleasure to have you come back on the show. Today, I have a very honored guest, actually, another fellow. He's my neighbor, a Syrian fellow here. Yep. One of my neighbors, Majid. We're going to call you Maj. Make it simple. Maj, that's actually a name that I used to be called with uh, back in elementary school. Really? Yeah, my my uh, my gym teacher used to call me that, and we used to make fun of him for not saying the full name. It's it's a very short name. Now we're going to start doing Maj. We're going to make it a trend, you know, awesome. instead of Majid the whole way. It's a yeah. pleasure to have you on, my brother. We want to know all about you today. We want to know your story. Starting off, where are you from? Um, I'm actually Syrian. I was born and raised in Syria, um, and then unfortunately the war happened. And that's no, I want to talk all about that, by the way. All about the I war. I want to talk about growing up in Syria. What was it like pre-war? Um, I was young. There, it was definitely very different than what it is here. Uh, a lot of the family members are close to you in the same neighborhood. Um, How was the family dynamic? Comparing it from contrast, let's give them, give them some contrast. Oh, it's like everyone is your parent. Like you go and it's like going to your neighbor that's not even re related to you. I it love feels it. the same thing, right? It's, it's very close, very tight. Um, even like the economy there is very close and very tight. I heard economically Syria was actually solid at before, way before the war. Well, I was in a small village, so economically speaking, not everyone was doing really good. Yeah, I guess more city-wise, it would be more different. Exactly. What was the name of the village? Sorry? What was the name of the village? Daria. Daria. Yeah, it's pretty much where uh, the majority of the things happened. Wow. Yeah, uh, not where it started, but a lot of bad things happened there and oh. living there. Let's start from the beginning. So the beginning... So growing up there, you said everybody was close... Yeah. Um, it was like a parent, you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I lived there. There was lots of my cousins. Are Obviously, our, our families have lots of kids. Love um, it. 10, 12 is normal there. So you grow up with like 15 different kids. You play soccer. Lots of fun, obviously. Let's be honest. The best. Yeah. It's, the best. It, if I would go back to that time, I would. Like all your uncles and you all like gather on Fridays, do barbecues. It's a different environment. It's a lot more family oriented. Um, Both mom and dad are Syrian? Yes. Same place? Village? Uh, no, my mom is from another, well, she's from the Damascus, the, the center. My dad is from Daraya. Well, they're both, they were both grow up there, grew up in the same village though. Um, and both of my grandparents are in the same village. It's well. almost like the same similar story with my parents. One's from this side, one's from this side, but we grew up here. Yeah. Um, we're in the same village in the end. Okay. Yeah. And then we, we, I was like seven when everything started, I believe. Um, so starting at seven. You go to school and then... You were young. Yeah, I'm still young as now as well, but... That beard throws you off. I would have said you're like 32. Oh, that's, How old that, are you? That's average. Everyone says that as well. 28, uh, 30, you, that's the average what everyone says. I'm, what, I'm 20. You're 20 years old? Yeah. Wow. I'm the same age as Haroon. Actually, you, you had him here as well. That's crazy. You age terribly, my friend. I age terrible. I saw all the grades at like 28, 27. Oh, man. Uh, I think like I've seen a lot, but... There's so much still to see. Like 20, going through what I've, been, what I've been through so far is definitely very different than what a lot of 20-year-old here go go through. Please, let's, let's go back to seven years old. Okay, seven years old. Seven. Um, that's when pretty much I think everything started. I'm not really good with dates, but the first thing that happens is obviously uh, lots of bombing near us and around us. Um, so give, us, give me the context. So the first, when, as soon as everything started, what was that day like for you? What were you doing that day? Don't recall correctly, but I remember I remember some events where basically we would we would stop going to school, not no longer safe, and even like days where we go, we would after school, me and my brother, uh, not my brother, my friends, we would go out like on 
um, again, like do, I don't, I don't know the word in English, but muzahara. Um, so we okay, ba- yeah. basically go and like, like protest, protesting yeah. against the, the law. And we do that every day after school we went, that we went to. And then the regime started actually going to arrest those kids. And so that's when we stopped going to school. My parents were like, you're no longer, it's no longer safe for you to even go there. Um, and this then, is Bashar's guys that were arresting you guys? Arresting the kids, beating them up. That's um, fucking crazy. And like, man. remember, we're seven year old. Like, we're, we're very, very it's young disgusting. at that age. Um, and it's pretty much just for, I mean, we were kids as well. We were saying stupid shit, but. Um, it's still kids. Where are you going to go fucking arrest a child? Um, I think it's mostly like to, uh, like, have a sign on the, on the parents like you're treating your kids this way you know we're gonna beat them up so treat them uh, kind of like uh, make them more behaved uh but we stopped going to school then things went very very fast like things escalated extremely quickly um like the regime started burning down houses killing civilians in our village like in our, it's a small village like we all know everyone they started killing everyone there like going to houses slaughtering all the men um and that's when it, why though what was the I never you know I never knew much of the story of the Syrian war on the politics side like why asking for freedom like it was what did Bashar it was very, want? Very, was it was very peaceful when you ask for freedom I think uh, you're asking too much from from such uh, from such person um, that's disgusting and I have lots of relatives that died and my mom as well not she didn't she didn't die but she Thank was God, like God forbid. she got kidnapped but I'll get to that part later basically everything escalated super quickly. Um, there was lots of homicides that happened within our village, like where like a few people come in from the regime side, kill like 20 people, 30 people and leave, burn houses and, and then leave. So obviously my, my relatives would be out the village and try to hide all the time. Uh, but a month in or so, we basically got out. It was like overnight. We got whatever we could and we moved to Damascus, the center. Me, my mom and my siblings and my grandparents from both sides. There it was safe. Um, and then pretty much all my relatives that are men stayed in, in Daria, the village. And that's the war that basically happened for like 10, 10 plus years. I don't remember the exact number, but it's they were fighting for a and long time. And this was like the hub. The center one of the, of the hubs. Fighting, so one of the hubs at the center of the fighting. It was like the it was one of the villages. I think villages, I think there's like four villages that was like they were fighting uh, or trying to uh, still fight against the other the other party, um, but Daria was definitely one of them. If you look up the pictures now, it's like all on the ground, uh, and then it's flattened. Eh? Yeah, like everything is burnt, everything is destroyed. It's like Gaza now, but it's not just Daria. And I think like we've had a lot of casualties compared to anywhere else, uh, just from that village. And it's a small so you, village. Yeah. So you, and you guys went after that. You guys ran to Damascus, right? Looking. For we safety. went to Damascus. Uh, me and my parents. We were like. 20 people in one one house around this size. So you'd like to sleep on the ground and stuff. It was fun. 20 like, people the size of the studio? It's roughly 20. Like, wow. uh, I don't remember exactly the number, but we had my family, which is four, three, three siblings, my mom. Uh, we had my grandparents from this side, so two people. The other side, two people. And then two of our neighbors, and they were like six people. So do the math. I don't want to do the sure. math quickly. But it was about this size, and we would sleep on the ground. Uh, we had money like to eat. We weren't like starving. And obviously we had rent. So relatively speaking, compared to anyone else that was in, in Syria back then, we were better. Um, until one person, um, and during this duration, a lot of our relatives died. Nothing like nothing close to me so far, uh, but my uncle got arrested. 
my uncle from my dad's side. On what, for what reason? Just being for a part of the protest. Mm-hmm. So he, he, I mean, back then, if you get arrested for anything, if you're a man, you get arrested just so, even if you're close to a family that's against the regime or has participated in protest, you'd get arrested. So where's your dad, by the way? Because you said your mom. You never it, said. They're both here. They're both safe. So No, no, at that point of the story, oh, was your dad, dad yeah. also with yeah. you guys in the no, no, house? No, he's in, that, he's in the village. Okay, okay, okay. So it's wow. it still like stuck there, basically. Um, and so my uncle gets arrested. He's not in the village. He was in, because uh, he got he got hurt. He got injured by a bullet. He was part of the protest and then he, he got shot in the chest. So he moved to Damascus, the center where he was being treated. Obviously not in the hospital because he would get arrested. He was being treated by like a uh, close family. That's crazy. He went to a hotel uh, in Damascus, like one of the biggest hotels. And then he was he just got arrested. It was his second time getting arrested. First time he escaped. Second time he didn't, he didn't get to escape. And unfortunately, um, he passed away. My recipe is solid, huh? Very sad of how he did. Um, at oh. the time, I didn't know. Or I was young still. But now, like, thinking back, it's it's very tragic. Like, uh, the people who got out that was close to him, it was... Because you, you get beat up a lot, so you kind of, like, go into a mental state where you just want to die. Right? So, um, he died. Um, and then from there, a lot, a lot more people got arrested that are close to us. And one of the guys... Because when you get arrested, they beat you up till you kind of get some, turn someone in, right? So they torture you until you... Yeah, or give like information. Okay. So one of the guys, I don't blame him. Like, if I'm being tortured, I don't know what I would say. But he thought that our house wouldn't have any people. Or they wouldn't take anyone from there. I think. I, I don't know. I haven't heard the full story. So he snitched on our house, which had my grandfather from my dad's side, my mother, my grandmother, and my siblings. So 12 a.m., it was, we had like some, some sort of picnic at our house with my mom, we made some good food. I still remember the, the, the stuff she made. Good food, of course you'd remember the good food. Yeah. Um, and then she basically, the, the 12 a.m., the storm man, like 20, 30 guys uh, with all like AR-15s or whatever. Um, and we're all sleeping on the ground. So they, they come in and they take, like end of story, they take my grandmother, sorry, my grandfather and my mother. Um, my mother was actually smart. She used the, the hijab. Uh, strategy to hide her stuff uh, in our in, in the in the couches. Yeah. So they didn't have much evidence against her. How, like she just hid it under the hijab. That's no, it? no, she used the hijab strategy, saying, "I want to put my hijab on to so get out of the room." Oh. Okay, and okay. then she hid the laptops and all the technology te- technology devices inside the, the couches. Smart. Um. But yeah, I had to ask because I don't think anybody would have figured that one out. Yeah, um, the hijab strategy was okay. okay so yeah, because yeah. I mean they still had some manners, I guess. Uh, they let, let I was gonna play. say as if eh, they're gonna come and raid what, a place yeah. for the children and whatever, and be like, okay, we'll let you put on the hijab. Yeah, I mean it wasn't public though. Like okay. in, in inside, they do lots of bullshit. From mm-hmm. my mom, would have heard. Uh, but yeah, they take her. They take them out. Um, and again, like the guy that's on grounds. Why did they take them though? There's, they take people out for nothing. Like for nothing. But for specifically, specifically speaking, there. They took both of my mom and my grandmother because my dad and my uncle, other uncle, is still in the village. Um, but they tried to fabricate bullshit on you. Like my mother, I think what she, what they got her on was she visited my dad a few times. So they they just said you're illegally snuggling items or weapons into the village. Just like that. Yeah. Realistically, she's done nothing. And yeah, yeah. When you're in that position, you can't really do anything or you get beat up. So. That's my mom. My grandfather was 
they, they were asking him where his son is, his uncle, like uh, my uncle, not my father, because I don't know what they asked about my father, but my uncle. He actually escaped the army, uh, the army, um, and joined the other party. So he escaped the regime, the and, regime. The, and then joined the other party. What's the name of the uh, the? Is there a name for the regime or just? We just call them like Bashar Assad regime. That's a, yeah. I mean, they, they got different names, should be how whatever, but like they're all. What about the other the other faction, like the liberation faction? It's just peaceful people. Like was my dad wasn't them? part of anything. Like we just he got stuck in, in Dariya, right? Like oh. we were just the other the civilians, I guess. No. Uh, there was like other parties like ISIS who was against them. There was Jaysh al-Har, which are just like a, an army that was that got some funding out of nowhere, out of no idea where, and then they started fighting them back. But when things get violent, things get really bad. I mean, even when it was peaceful, it was really bad. But when you escalate that, you know you're getting yourself, you know what you're getting yourself into. That's crazy. So yeah, so they arrested your mother and all that. Um, yeah, they arrested my mother and all that. My grandfather also passed away from beating. Um, yeah, I mean, it was also sad, but he didn't last as much as my uncle lasted. So his 60 years old or 65, he can't last that much in there. Um, so he died 10 days after and my mom witnessed it. So it wasn't, it was definitely very tragic, but not compared to my uncle because he went through a lot more. Um, but my mom also got tortured a lot. So she has like back problems. She got electrocuted. Um, and just like the environment is not very friendly there. It's obviously. fucking disgusting. Honestly. But four months after... Um, she got out, thankfully. Thankfully, alhamdulillah. From there, we moved to Raqqa, which is another like province or in Syria, um, where, where ISIS is. Uh, the reason why is because we want to, to go out of the country. You have to go to the surrounding, like the outside uh, places, and then you go to either Turkey, Jordan, or whatever. We wanted to go to Turkey, so we went to Raqqa, uh, where ISIS is, and that was a completed like. At the time, I was okay, but. Uh, now thinking back, it's insane. Like you, I was in the center where the slaughtered heads are like hanged on the fence of the the, the park. That's fucking crazy. Um, it was like all dark. I could I couldn't really think much of it. Um, but you saw it. I saw it, and I still remember it. Like it's it's a picture in my head. Um, and then we stayed there for like ten days. Then we left. So we, me and my mom and my siblings, basically left. Uh, from Raqqa, walking uh, and through a bus, um, through the 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 what's the word? Uh, hadud. What's hadud in English? Hadud. Yeah. The borders. The borders, through the the borders of Turkey and Raqqa or Halab, I think it was the time. Um, and obviously, there's both parties on each side. So we heard started hearing shooting, and then we started running, left our bag luggage, and just started running to to safety. That's crazy, yeah. But we made it. Did uh, you see actual ISIS guys? Oh yeah, bro! I was stopped at like one time. I was walking because because you're supposed to have like your niqab on. Yeah. So I was walking with my grandmother, and she didn't have she didn't have one on. She, she for health issues, she can't breathe. So they stopped us. That's the first time they met him. They, I met them. The second time I was walking with my the my my mother's grandmother grandfather, uh, for shopping. And because of my haircut, your haircut would be like against their terms. Uh, you'd go to jail, whatever for whatever reason. What's my haircut supposed to be? You're trying to um, look like someone who's not Muslim. Like Ronaldo, my haircut was like Ronaldo's haircut. I was a big fan, um, so I had the same haircut before coming to uh, Raqqa. And they're like, "This is a haircut of a kafir." So you either go bald, or next time I see you, you're gonna go to the prison. That's crazy. Eh? So ISIS always made me sick. To be very honest, it was all bullshit to me. But yeah, I mean, I didn't make much of it. I was definitely very, very scared. For sure, you're like, a kid. Now, like that, like out of everything I've been through. That was the moment I was super, super scared. 
Yeah. Um, I was shaking. Like I even scrambled my head and just ran back home. Uh, but we didn't stay there for long. We just went to. How old were you at that moment, by the way, when you met those ISIS bastards? So let me think back. So I got into Canada two years after I was in grade eight, so 14, so 12 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, 12 years old I, I met those guys um, yeah, it, was, it was very scary I, I can still remember Like how, how the way he looked And they all, you know, they all looked I was, terrible I was at the park When I was 12 years old Yeah I mean uh, And then you're out there Meeting ISIS guys And fucking running for your life I mean I wasn't running For my life I think it was just trying To be authoritative uh, Over me Like I don't think He would have done anything To a kid They're Muslim At the end of the day So they have Some manners uh, They wouldn't Im- I wouldn't imagine them Killing a kid Over a haircut but they definitely, you know, they, they tried to be like the, the, the angry guy at you. Um, and it worked at me at the time. Uh, but we got to Turkey. That was good for us. A few days after, the same house we were in, where my, so my grandmother, my, my aunts, it gets bombed. Like uh, there's a bank here and there's the house here. So there's a bomb that happens in the middle, like uh, from the Syrian regime. Uh, no one died, but my, both my aunts got injured. And... It was crazy how how life works. Like if we were there, we definitely would have been heavily injured because we we used to stay in the at the balcony all the time because right. of the weather. Um, my why, why it's nice weather? Sorry, nice weather is that why? No, it's very hot inside. Oh, it's very so hot. So you go inside. outside yeah. to, to be able to breathe. Of course. Uh, so we we were always at the balcony. If we were at the balcony, would have like been heavily injured. Um, God forbid. Yeah, but we we made it, and no one that was like. The last memory out of Syria. Now, just my relatives that are in there, and I—they're mostly women. Women like they don't—they're not in uh, in in danger from the other the regime. They're just in fin- bad financial positions. Like the economy is terrible. Uh, same prices as here, but there's no jobs there. I always wondered. I'm like, you know what? If this war lasted ten years, oh, it has been. And how does Bashar still around? How did they all, after all this destruction and war and everybody goes against Bashar and all these military factions, how is this still around? There, there's backing from everywhere. There's backing from Russia. There's backing from the U.S. It's, it's all politics. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really get into much of the politics, but I know there's backing from everywhere. Is it like half the country hates him, half the love him? Or is it just no like one loves everyone him. hates him? If you him? love him, like you're either pretending or brain dead. Um, but why would you love someone who destroyed the economy? Like, who loves Trudeau here? You know, it's like asking the same Bro, question. Bro, fucking Bashar. Okay, it's no, not I the don't same. like Trudeau, but I'm saying, holy smokes. It's the same. Like, it's not the same thing. There's two different things. But this guy is kind of fucking the economy up. This guy fucked up not just the economy, but killed civilians. So it's that scale. Like, I mean, the obvious some supporters here for sure. But um, And their supporters there for sure. I wouldn't say half-half. I would say more like 90%, 10%. And just the 10% the are just like... Uh, they're getting money. Uh, I was or, about to say you got to be getting paid somewhere, bro. Like, there's something that has to make you love him. Like, I wouldn't love anyone in in my life that much, like them, uh, for anything. Like, even if they're like, obviously, I love my parents, but anyone that's random, I don't have that sort of relationship with strangers. So it's kind of weird. Like, they, he must have given him money, or done something good for them. It was very interesting because I saw when they had that Arab League summit. No one loved him. And all these world leaders go to talk about a ceasefire in Gaza. And I'm like, he's one of them that's there. I'm like, it's pretty hypocritical if you ask me. Why are you there to talk about a ceasefire, but you destroyed your country? 
And you know while I mean? that's happening, they were, he was still destroying Idlib, which is another village. Oh, There's not crazy. much coverage in the media, but it was still happening there. It's crazy. Uh, I'm like, the hypocrisy on the finest level. This man is there to talk about save Palestinian ceasefire. You know what's Go save excuse? your own people. Stop fucking killing them. You know what's his excuse? It's uh, all photoshopped. It's all for the what? It's all photoshopped. Mm. He went on interviews saying it's all fake. Sounds like fucking IDF news, eh? Um, no, even worse. Um, IDF is doing a lot of bad things for sure, like killing children and all that. It's it's very bad. I, I agree with them. Like, uh, it's terrible. Like, it, killing civilians is just like on another level. But scale wise, it's different. Like, you can't put them together. That has been gone on for longer. But right now, IDF, what's happening? Scale wise, it's a lot bigger. I would say. Um, and I, I have my own bias because I'm from there. Uh, but at the same time, it's well, like... Well, you've actually seen it. You lived there. You grew up there. Yeah. And at the same time, like it's not something you want to compare. Well, do you feel like you still go through some kind of... Do you feel like you've developed post-traumatic stress from this? Not me. My parents did, though. Yeah. I uh, I, I don't think it affected me because I was young going through it. Looking back, I know it's fucked. But um, I, I just don't feel any any sort of issues with me. Well, I guess because your mom, she saw her father getting tortured to death. Well, it's not. It's uh, my, my grandfather from my other dad, from the, my dad's still, side. Still but my mom was tortured as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, she was tortured. And my side. dad was tortured as well. Like my dad went through. So the other other party kind of because uh, there's corruption everywhere. Hamas, there's corruption. IDF, there's corruption everywhere. Right? There's leeches. Uh, so they arrested him inside the village and they started beating him. That's crazy. Um, and that was second time he got arrested. So yeah, like it, it's corruption everywhere. Um, they all went through crazy amount of time like stuff so then so you guys went to turkey we went to turkey um how was your experience there amazing like the first place we went to was amazing it was gazi Aintab. people were amazing food was delicious every meter you walk there's a park park with like a turf field uh it's like going from nothing pretty much to heaven so as kids that's actually a crazy contrast yeah it's it's it was like insane and we were only there for a month, but we lived in a nice studio. It was a one-bedroom, two-bedroom studio um, in Turkey. We had, like, a drive, personal driver um, that was, like, a friend of my dad. We He took like took us around, fed us well. We had, we had back in Syria, no food. Like, we had good, like, we were eating, obviously. But when I say no food, nothing of quality. So we're eating the same thing, Zedu Zatar for... Uh, for pretty we much all love Zaytuzatar Let's be very honest Yeah but when you have no options it's, You get bored of it And looking back It's like not because we love it We had no options so It's a necessity Yeah um, So at some point Did you guys start? Start no No uh, How long were you guys In the conflict for by the way Like you guys You specifically in Syria well, How long was it From when it started Till you guys left I think three four years My dad oh, You were there longer. for a while not mm. inside. So in the village, I think two years, and then outside of for another two years. Two years in a war zone is a long time, have you? I know. Uh, things when things started escalating crazy, we we left though. Um, we still Luckily, here. Alhamdulillah, you guys were able to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know people. Lots of people from my relatives died, but the closest two were my grandfather and my uncle, um, and had like plenty more that died. And now pretty much all my family scattered around the world: Libya, uh, Scotland, Egypt. Lebanon, Jordan. Did you guys have access to water at the same time, or is it just Zaytou Zata? Oh, no. Like, water, yeah. bread, Zaytou Zata. Was like, there times where you guys were completely cut off? No. Like, because um, the people in Syria, like my parents, uh, or my dad and my uncle, they were getting paid. No idea from where. I never, like, really asked, but they were No, getting... no. Cut off from resources like water or food or anything. Was there any in moment in the time? village, there's no food. Wherever you were. 
in the village, no, there's no food. So you only had the resources that you had. And then sometimes they snuggled food. So that's the, 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 what they put on my mom, snuggling items, food, uh, medical items and weapons. That's smuggling? To I mean, get food? Yeah, because they, they the village was cut out of everything, electricity, water, everything, right? Because, you know, they in their idea, they said there's terrorists. I'm not shocked at this point. It's just sickening, man. You know yeah, what I mean? But, you're going to say you're going to be called a smuggler because you're smuggling in necessity of life, you know? It's the same thing that's happening in Gaza right now. Like no, I don't. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's, it's very messed up but what happens in the Middle East. Uh, but in Damascus, for us, we were never cut out of anything. Electricity, though? You never see that. Even like before the war, they they were on uh, on a schedule. So it's off for four hours, on for two hours, off for four hours, and uh, yeah. But we lived through it because we were a small village, so it was fun to actually put the view without electricity. You play with your uncles, uh, you play like. Uh, I love how, I love how you just said that. It's more bonding because you don't have to rely on technology, TV, phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, at the time, also, we had like one PC for for like the entire house. Counter Strike. Uh, my uncles were playing that. Oh, I was gonna be like, you have to, you're, you know, you're from that region if you're playing Counter Strike. I didn't play it. I I actually played it like last year and this PUBG? year. No, I didn't play PUBG. Come on. No, no, I they're flopping. I played one time, I think, and then I realized how bad it is compared to Fortnite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, from there. Oh Turkey, yeah, I forgot you're 20 years old. Yeah, that's right. PUBG is an older game. Yeah, yeah. I played CS:GO like last year. It was pretty fun, but at the same time, like. I'm not really good at FPS, so I didn't have too much fun. Come on. Yeah. Nostalgia. Go? Fuck. First, just play. I wasn't amazing. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I was more of a Call of Duty kind of guy. COD is COD is pretty fun. I've heard. I'll the, fuck you up in COD right now. No problem. COD, I've heard there's a new version that came out and I've seen like some people play it. Which one? Modern Warfare 3? I've no idea. I just heard new COD out. There is a new COD out. It's, you know what? The only reason why I enjoy it, I think there's a lot of flaws in it. Just the reason why I enjoy it is because it's nostalgic. It's the old Modern Warfare maps. So you're okay. going to start a plane and you're like, holy, f- oh my God, Terminal, that's crazy. Afghan, that's crazy. I'm like, what the fuck? I feel like I'm like 10 years ago, you know? So it was incredible. Yeah. And I already knew the lay of the land. So fair you enough, can only fair. imagine I'm fucking slapping everybody. If I'm already an, a deadly player, I know the lay of the land. I don't even have to get used to the new map. I already know it. What do you It's play like on? muscle memory. What PC? do you see? PC? Bro, I have a monster PC. So I must be one of those kids that are tryhards. Bro, I fucking <laughs> I don't need to try hard, man. I was just I've been playing for too long, man. That's okay. it. Let them try me right now, you know. I see. Well, the Fortnite did the same thing. They launched like I the OG season. I sucked at Fortnite, but continue. Yeah, they did the OG season, so that's that's like the nostalgic thing where a lot of people came back just because back in 2018 when everyone was playing and then everyone left in like 2023, they did the same thing. They brought back the old map and now everyone is playing it again. That's the best. Yeah, uh, it, like it's the nostalgic feeling that gets you back. Um, and I played it too when, with my friends. It was very, very fun. Uh, remembering like when I used to go on my iPad back back in Canada. We're still talking about Fortnite or Call of Duty? Uh, Fortnite. Fuck, I couldn't do the building, man. They have no I started too now. late and then I'm like, bro, this guy literally just built the fucking Taj Mahal, bro. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm still working on a shed. So yeah, I, used to play on, I used to play a mobile uh, iPad. So building wasn't that terrible because uh, no one okay. builds. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so let's go back to Turkey, by the way. Yeah, Turkey, like we. So you got there, it was heaven on earth at this point. Food's good, playground, every other place. Yeah, we went from Turkey. Actually, my dad went to Lebanon, uh, escaped, and then so we went. He actually walked to Lebanon. Wow. Um, and at some points, it was like, I'm no longer doing it because you're walking a long distance. 
but he he pushed through and he made it. Uh, David Goggins would be proud of him. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I swear to God, I was just thinking David Goggins too. Right? Um, but yeah, he made it. That's like a fucking one week walk, no? It was. Yeah. It was a very long time walk. Uh, and actually, I remember. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he wants me to share the story, but at one point, the Lebanese guys started like. There's a village. I've no idea if it's Lebanese or whatever. They started shooting at a at them like uh, and beating them up. My dad hid somewhere, so he made it. But there was like story on the news. I don't know the, the specifics, but I know he was getting shot at from like a village in Lebanon. Um, no idea why, no idea how or how he survived. But they also he also went through that. That's crazy. So you're trying to run that way, you're getting shot. Trying to run that way, you're getting shot. Yeah, and they, I don't know if it was like a terrorist attack or if they thought there's drugs or whatever. But he made it. And then Lebanon, we went to Lebanon from, from, from Turkey. Lived there for a year. It was the same contrast, but the opposite way. Uh, we lived in a small village called Talabaya, I think it's called. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, the reason why it was a different experience is it's not safe. And I know you're from Lebanon, so hopefully you don't get offended. But we were also, I haven't been back since 2001. Fair enough. We were really not treated much. well at all. Uh, it was not safe at all for neither us, like kids, or my parents. Um, every time I would go outside, I'd get bullied by kids around the street, which is normal. Like teens... Bully other teens. It's not normal. You know why it's not normal? Because I've been saying this for years. You know what? My mom never used to tell us a story about the Civil War. I know. I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't want you to ever say it's normal. Because honestly, man, I've been pushing a different narrative this entire time. First of all, one ummah, one nation. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's not get that fucking twisted, please. Second of all, my mom, when she grew up, she grew up in a place called Ain Ramani in Beirut. So when the Civil War started in the 70s, my mom literally saw the bus full full of the PLO people blowing up. She saw the little girl hanging on the balcony. She saw the Palestinians get slaughtered. So she was in the heat of literally right where it started. She was there. She saw the whole thing. She's a little kid. Yeah. Growing up, I really did not know much stories about, say, um, about the Civil War or anything like that. Okay. I didn't even know the difference between Sunni or Shia, by the way. Just to give you that I much of a contrast, know. I never even knew that. I didn't even know it was a thing, by the way, growing up. Okay. We just had, you know, we had, and funny enough, my mom's best friend till this day, which is like my second mom, is she Shia? I love her to death, bro. I love, if you ask me to trade all my wealth for her, I'll tell you this. That's how much I love that lady. So I never knew the difference. Until my visit in Lebanon... I did not understand why it was if I went because I'm from this village. I'm from a place called uh, Mazdal Balhis. I don't really, honestly, I don't really know much about it. And then when we were doing trips, there was tensions in other spot in other spots because technically where I'm from is predominantly a Sunni village. And remember, I show everybody love and respect. Yeah. If you're if you're from me, I love you. And the end of the day, if you're from my especially if you're from my country, and especially if you're from my religion. Yeah. And the end of the day, I'll show you love no matter what. You're my brother, whether you like it or not. That's love, yeah. Okay? I don't give a fuck what you are. So the fact that... They, so what we never knew about the Civil War. My mom didn't want to preach the hatred. I'm bringing it back to your point where you're like, it was normal to get bullied. No, it's not. I don't believe the fucking kid should be paying for the sins of the father. I understand during the Civil War, Syria came to the aid of the Christians. and who, I don't give a fuck about this politics, bro. Why should you suffer the fate of what happened in the 70s? You're born, born in what, 2000? Three. 2003? So why the fuck are you paying for a sin that happened almost 30 years ago? 
Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying, right? So yeah. in the end of the day, the reason why we are like this as people is because we allow this to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? When in reality, if we took care of each other, there would be nobody stronger in the world than yeah. who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the new generation now. And I fully agree with this. But the reason why I say it's normal, I don't say because it, it was because we're Syrians and we were treated like that. No, I get what you meant by it because... We're teens, right? Teens, they always have insecurities and they always try to bully each other. They're the scale Oh, that's of, what you meant this whole time? Yeah. I just went on a fucking tangent. Being like, <laughs> but I agree with you there. Like, they're... I, I don't... Like, it's my assumption, though. Um, They just wanted to assert dominance and they're the scale compared to here. It's, there it's physical here, mostly mental. Um, don't so get for, me wrong. I hear... Bro, Lebanese people hate Syrians. I agree. You Not all I mean? of them. Though. They we, took over our country, bro. I've heard the whole fucking shebang. And same with Turkey now. Um, but 2006 war, by the way, Syria opened its borders to us, and we ran to there. They provided. Anyways, I'm not even going to get into this I mean, fucking yeah, politics. Like, I'm saying one umma, one nation. I'll keep saying to the day that. Or, or bro- brothers at this at the end of the right. day. Uh, That's right. The separation that happened was man-made. We're all the same. We're all humans. Like if you. If you're from here, if you're a Christian, Jewish, no religion, I don't care. We're, we're bro, all it's the humans. devil's work, man. Divide and conquer, bro. I live in yeah. a predominantly Jewish neighborhood yeah. today, right now. Not anymore, actually. I'm married. I live in a different place. I live in Manatee. Okay. But my parents do. I swear to God, growing up, I didn't feel it. Yeah. I mean, there's a synagogue right there, bro, where we were right beside. My mom is the only, we're the only Lebanese people that live there. My mom wears a hijab. My mom is like four foot nine, but wallah, she'll knock you the fuck out, bro. She has like a punch like Mike Tyson, bro. You don't want to play games. People are different. We call her General Waffles for a reason. But I'm telling you, every time they used to see my mom, hello, professor, how are you? My mom speaks perfect English, right? Okay. So they showed us all the love in the world, and we were amazing fucking neighbors. Even till this day, I love them, I cherish them, I see them all the time. You know what I mean? So you're right. We've made this separation through hatred. But anyways, continue on your story. I'm going to stop talking. Thank you very much. No, you're good. I, I like the back and forth as well. I mean, but, um, I want to hear the rest of the story when you went to... In Lebanon, we went to school. It was okay. Like My parents were not safe because of... Oh, no, continue on the bullying aspect. Start, oh, like, it wasn't, I never got beat up, uh, just to be specific. It was always like every time we go down to go to the, like, the grocery store, um, they try to act like they're going to beat me up. So I just back, going back up. Um, and it was all like kids. I uh, never got beat up there. Uh, that's the all the bullying that happened. In school, it was all Syrian. Like we went to a Syrian school. Um, and my parents weren't safe. Not not from the Lebanese people. It was leeches from Syria uh, that were trying to kind of leech on the guys who escaped. Interesting. I think. Because my parents mm. never speak too much. Um, which I understand why. Uh but my assumption there, and I've heard like some small talks, I think it is. Why do you think they never talked about it, your parents? Security reasons. And also, it's, it's not easy to talk about. Like even me talking about things that I've not, I've not gone through, like my uncle, death, it was just pictures I've seen. It's, it's not easy to talk about. Of course not. Um, but even your parents like today, they've, they've never talked about why no. the leeches story. No, 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 no. They would never talk about it publicly. Uh, we, not they, even to you guys in private. Sometimes they speak, but not not in details. They never go in details. They think it's because of the PTSD. They just don't want to call it. Yeah. They don't want to keep. My dad living, cries you know? when he talks about some things, and my dad is like a man that that's gone through a lot of things. All right. So when you see someone like a man crying, it, you know it's it hurts. Hard. Yeah. Um, Especially but, if it's your dad too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, from Lebanon, we left after a year for economy reasons. We went to tur- back to Turkey, but we lived. Why? In- what do you mean Lebanon is doing amazing? 
Yeah, it was actually yeah. <laughs> my dad before he left. He actually got arrested in Beirut uh, for because he, he didn't we didn't have the right papers, so he got arrested for ten days. Then he they let him out. We went to Turkey, back to Turkey in Istanbul. There, people actually hated us, like not not pe- Syrian people, people from Istanbul. Majority of them hated us in schools. You can't. Turks, you mean? Sorry. Like Turkish people or the Syrians that were living there? Turkish people. Uh, we couldn't get a diploma. We would not be able to do tests in schools. Like they would beat you up in school uh, for not wearing a uniform. That's crazy. Uh, kids there. I got beat up like multiple times over there by mm. kids, obviously. Just because you were Syrian? Well, that's their excuse. But again, it's like just teens being trying to be. And crazy. by the way, this is a NATO country, eh, Shawnee boy? Yeah. Uh, Hilarious, huh? And then from there, we actually got sponsored to Canada. By who? Uh, a few guys from Canada. Oh, you didn't even know them? No. They, we, our case got randomly selected. They interviewed us. A year later, we made it. It's uh, amazing, man. Yeah, I'm telling people? you, like, life is crazy. Life is nuts. Uh, we made it, and there was like six sponsors. We come to Canada, and even us getting out of the country was not an easy process. Like, they had to approve multiple papers, which... Usually they d- decline for no reason, Tur- the Turkish government. Uh, but it was a 30 day, like 30 hours travel. Majority of it was just like staying in the airport. Um, and then we got here in 2016, September 16th, I think. Have you ever met them, by the way? Yeah. The sponsors? Yeah, we met them multiple times. They, they're in Ottawa. They, you really? might know, there's a, one of them has a clinic in Centrum, Canada, Yemen, um, or Yemen. Don't really know the name. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, used to work at the mosque, um, Ottawa Muslim Association, and his wife had the Al Qura school. You know the the Muslim no. school. Yeah, but they're they're in Ottawa. We met That's them multiple incredible. times. Yeah. Are you guys still talk to them to this day? Not so like much. Here and there, you know. Hello, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Not so much, but okay. I would. I'm so grateful to this day for them. Like uh, if I ever see them, I I'm, I would show my gratitude because. The contrast from Syria to Turkey was insane. The contrast from Turkey to Canada at the time didn't didn't seem much. It's a different country, but looking back, it's insane how much opportunity it provides for anyone. Um, Coming here? Yeah, like just a completely different life. Like from the get-go, you're a resident of the country. Yeah. Uh, now I'm a citizen. From the get-go, you go to schools, you 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 learn about the, their, their ecosystem, and everyone here is super nice. Regardless of who you are, I never really asked who what my neighbors are. Like if they're Jewish, English, Lebanese, I don't care. Like they're all at the end of the Canada day. Canada is neighbors. a fantastic country. I'm not even. I, I'm born and raised here, man. I love. The yeah, place. I would never leave Canada. No, I wouldn't go that far. You know what I mean? I'm out of here. No, like not live outside Canada. Um, if anytime soon, because it's it's very safe. I've been to other places, uh, in the U.S. specifically, it's insanely dangerous. At least I felt that way. Um, How can you You went through a war At that point It should have been A walk in the park Bro I, I was 13 I would have been like oh, You saw bombs careful. You know what I mean <laughs> no, You no. saw the whole shebang Persecution no. You saw fucking ISIS Yeah You know what I mean Like come on bro Then you go You see a couple of Fucking New York street gangs You're like who are you bro You know what I mean I saw heads on fences No I feel like That's too much Even if I do that <laughs> no, I just like to be More careful nowadays no, I'm just joking Yeah please people yeah. Don't take the tire But if you do yeah, that You're like, have a problem I, I, I walked in San Francisco at night one time. It was crazy how fast I was walking because I was how scared I was. That's crazy. Uh, and like nothing happened. I don't think anything would, would have happened either. But it's just like lots of homeless people around. And when you when you walk past homeless people, like groups of them looking at you, it's awkward or scary. For me, it was scary. Uh, but 
that was beside the story. So in Canada, we went to school. It was pretty good. Met lots oh, of that, By the way, sorry to cut you off. Sometimes it's actually fun to talk to these homeless guys sometimes. You talk to them? Sometimes, man. Sometimes they tell you some fucking wild stories, man. Listen, I don't discriminate on nobody, bro. I personally, in groups, I never, I never engage with the, group, with the groups. Um, loan guys, like shoppers or next to Walmart, I always give them money. My parents I were, never give money. I never give money either. Gift cards. That's what I meant. Because uh, I know gift cards that buy something good with it, like food. See, with a lot of the times, the, the thing they say is they're hungry. So I say, I'll buy you the best meal you'll ever eat, man. Let's just go to... It's they always door. say no to that, actually. That's interesting, enough. Yeah. Why? Like, who would say... I would always say yes for an extra it's meal. It's crazy how you said that, because majority of the time, I remember I had this guy's... It was, it was, you know what? It was a sad story, man. The guy, I'm not gonna even going to say anything. I'm not going to talk much about him, but he was from here, from the West End, from a hood in the West End. Not even going to say the name of the hood, but he was from a hood from the West You know what a hood is, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyways, he was a very good kid growing up, very good kid growing up, you know? Anyways, the only bad habit he had was smoking weed. Guys like us in the hood, we're very rambunctious. We're very wild cards, I guess, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I guess the guys he was hanging out with, by the way, were dealers. They're well-known dealers. They've been in and out of jail many times. Anyways, I guess they were... So I, a thing is, is if you... I, by the way, I never smoked weed, funny enough. Same I never here. got into that shit. So what they do is if they have a... They're smoking a joint... And they're passing it to the crowd. For them to roll your own joint is very out of the norm. Okay. Question things in life, by the way. That's my thing for people. If things seem abnormal, question it. Wonder why. Observe your surroundings. Because this guy's story, they used to make his own uh, joint. They used to write, uh, roll his own spliff. They'd give it to the guy. And then he'd smoke. And then they'd sell him weed. Don't get me wrong. They'd sell him weed. Every time he hangs out with them, they have his own joint. Anyways, these guys, they go to jail. They come back out. So this guy's been buying weed off other people, but it's not been the same. Yeah. They come out. He wants to visit them, but obviously at the same time, he wants their weed. He's like, man, I've been buying off other people when you guys went away, but it's not the same. He's like, you know why? He's like, why? He pulls out a crack rock. He's yeah. been literally mixing crack with his weed. So they turned him into a crackhead. Straight A student, he always kept his head down. Wallah, he was the nicest guy in the world. That's that same guy that was hanging out in front of the McDonald's on Richmond. Excuse me, sir. He was like, yo, I'm hungry. Please, brother. I'm like, listen, man. And Wallah, I actually didn't even have cash on me. Yeah. I only had my debit card. I said, Wallah, listen, if you're hungry, by all means, walk in with me right now. I'll buy you whatever the fuck you want. And at that time, I had no money, but I'm like, I'd rather him eat before I eat because alhamdulillah, I'll go home. I'm already made food. Yeah. So no problem. So anyways, no, 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 please. It's okay. I don't want to bother you. I'm like, bro, listen, I don't have fucking cash. Let's just go inside. I want to feed you. Bro, the guy snaps. I just give me the fucking money. I just want the money, man. I don't give a fuck for the food. The worst part was I recognized him. He didn't recognize me. Because they turned this guy into a crackhead. Walla, the nicest guy. Yeah, I never got So into... I always give out food instead, instead of the money. If you're asking for food, I'm going to feed you. That's fair enough. For me, they always say no to food. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like ego or whatever it is. I always give gift cards, though. I never give cash because I know they likely will use it on drugs. Mm. Um, gift cards, I know for a fact they can't. I mean, they can sell it. But I did my job. Um, you know, I, I gave them gift cards. They use it in a McDonald's restaurant. They eat. They, at least that that's good for them. 
Good on you. Uh, but Canada, like if you're homeless, you're in Canada, man. Like I see a lot of like young people, like young meaning 25 to 30 on the street. I guess now I understand why. But at the same time, like you have control over how you react to what happened. Um, if you're not taking actions, it's going to be on you and you can do it. Like in Canada, you can do anything you want. You don't look at different people in Canada. Look at different people outside Canada. Um, they're doing a lot better than what people do here, like disciplined. They, there's like in China, not even Syria, right? In China, they work 16 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and what do they earn? Not much. Nothing. Here you're standing outside. You can, I can guarantee you those same guys can get a full-time job at McDonald's, Walmart. Make a living, start a small business, and make more money. What do you mean in China, that Foxconn building, the guys that originally were making the iPhones, they had to create safety nets around the building because people were trying to commit suicide because the working conditions were so long and so harsh. Yeah, I mean... So people would try to jump out. That's how crazy that is. And then they would get caught in these nets and be like, I'd rather fucking die than stay there. So I agree with you. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, But I still like... I know people go through different things. And I try to help, especially when I see like a woman standing. Uh, and, and having a sense I know some of them will lie Like a woman standing Saying I have, I have seven kids No food Blah 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 go Old school Nothing You know what A lot of people they, what I, I've been saying this I say this a thousand times A lot of people lack faith It's not up to you It's not for you To find the truth Don't make judgment Because you might be wrong Yeah You know what I mean In the end of the day That person might need aid And like I said I always end up giving out food anyways Yeah uh, But I'm not I'm also not Like not Stupid enough to not realize that some of them are going to be... No, 100%. Absolutely. That's why I say food is is perfect. You're hungry, no problem. I'll feed you. 100%. Um, Yeah, back to topic though. Uh, Yeah, Canada was insane. So Uh, you touched down here, right? So obviously all this crazy contrast, Istanbul, you said they hated you guys. Yeah. like. By uh, the way, they made it a law. Syrians are not allowed to own properties. Well, it's not. It's even worse. I mean, they were burning their properties. Uh, yeah. So, but like, now even they made it a law. So now I I heard all this stuff about that's crazy how much they hate Syrians yeah. or whatever. God unite the people. But you come here when you touch down. What was it like? We were super tired. We landed in Ottawa, um, and all the sponsors were there. Cameras around. They had like a photography team. It was different. Like it was like a different. How feeling. was that when you saw those photography people? Yeah. It was cool. We're like the first time we see such cameras, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was very funny as well. <laughs> Both of my like me and my brother, we were wearing this exact same outfit as well. So the best. like us seeing the video after was very very nice to see. My dad doesn't show me that video anymore. I don't know. I've asked him like six times. Come on, Baba, you gotta pull out that yeah, video. Yeah, if you're watching this, I know you are. If you do, send us the video. We'll put up a clip of this video. Yeah, that no, was awesome. We show were the, like show the outfits. We haven't slept for like thirty days straight. Oh, sorry, not 30 hours straight. Um, and so we were like exhausted. And we had to drive from here, like the, the airport is here, to Canada. So it was like a 30-minute drive. Uh, but at the, when we landed, we went to Tim Hortons. Uh, now I never go back there, but <laughs> <laughs> we went there, uh, got some, uh, I don't know what we got. I think donuts, uh, orange juice. And then we, when we went home, there was like a cabinet with like lots of uh, junk food. It was amazing. Oh, I was loaded, eh? Yeah, it was loaded. Amazing. Cereal. I mean, like, we never see, seen those things before. Yeah, yeah. So as kids, you're like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, but we stayed there for, like, I would say two years, four years, maybe. In Canada? Canada. Yeah. Uh, in a condo. Then the owner wanted to sell his house. Um, And I, again, I say life's crazy. So he sold his house. I was in Earl of March, the where Harun is. Uh, there, I was, like, with a group of friends where it's not bad. They're, I still have them as friends. Shout out to you guys, amazing people. But my focus was not on business at all. It was all soccer. Uh, play soccer like 24-7. That's amazing. 
um, which is good. Like I, I was in good health, good good shape as well. Now I'm not. I was gonna say what happened now. Eh? Yeah, a life hit, food, legions, <laughs> overeats, bro. Uh, but yeah, no soccer. Then the owner decided to sell. So a friend of my dad decided to offer us a house in Barhaven here yeah. uh, for less rent because they know each other and they know they know the, the 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 position my dad is in. And so I moved to Barhaven, which means I had to switch schools. Barhaven, the school I went to, John McRae. Nothing against the people there. They weren't my type, though. Um, maybe it was like an ego at the time, the ego thing. Why are you shaking? Why are you shaking that? Are you from John McRae, bro? No, nah, man. I know people from John. Ah. Yeah, like they were all different than my. Like I was very in soccer. No one had. No one played soccer there, right? So that was one thing. So was I was more hockey or something. No, it was all like basketball. All yeah. like fashion. They were all like with each other all the time. Yeah. Um, and when you're in grade 11 and move to a different school, it's hard to get into a friend group. I still had like some people I spoke with, but it's not easier. It's not easy or as easy to get into a friend group. And it's always like awkward. At the time I had social anxiety. I don't call it social anxiety. I just was very quiet. Do you feel like social anxiety or whatever you want to call it was stemmed from no. trauma from back in the days or just who you were? I think it's just like the school conditions like okay. in Canada, like me not being able to speak good English. I, I always felt insecure about it. Uh, Did you know how to speak English when you were in Syria, Turkey, or Lebanon? No, no. I mean, like, friggin', you, you, you speak really good English now, man. I spoke English pretty much every single day I came here. Uh, with like, your accent's not even bad. Yeah, I, I've been told that, but like, I stutter sometimes. It's okay, um, it's the Red Bull. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you're on some wings, you're flying away from this conversation. Yeah, um, so you had a hard time finding some friends, like, in, you know, intertwining so, with friends. Yeah, I decided to just like work. Um, I started game development then. That's when I like in the library, I used to skip fitness class as well. That's when the journey become, of becoming That's fat. That's fucking terrible, man. You script fitness to work was, on game development. Yeah, it's not, I mean, fitness was, is like recess. That was the best part about it. It was like lunchtime, you know? When you have no friends there, it's like boring. I guess so. Like, you're even now, like when I go to the gym, it's like without friends, you work out, like, let me get this over with kind of thing. What do you uh, think you could have did different to make that situation better for yourself, though? I think it was the best, like by far the best. That's why I say life is crazy. Like me leaving that friend group that I'm still with right now, like we still go out together. But me shifting focus from soccer to more game dev or being okay. lonely, that was the best decision. If it wasn't that, I would have probably been uh, with a group that's like focusing on social media or whatever their focus okay, was. So you're doing game dev. You're like, forget for skip fitness. Going to go yeah, I game. built a game in six months. Uh, launched it on the App Store. Uh, not much called? success. Dreadful. That was the game. It was like a 30-story mode game, 2D. Um, pretty much everyone in the school that was close to me knew in that school. So it was definitely very good, a confident boost. Um, from there, though, I got into something, like some sort of group that was in China. Uh, there, They would be buying games that, that are made uh, because in China, it's hard to put your stuff on the App Store and then also access the app store so those companies what they were doing is building stores like the app store for iphone and then they were buying games to be put on those stores that's so, interesting why would they have a hard time putting that on the app store china regulations that's crazy it's funny because they make the phones in china well not india yeah. but that's crazy okay um so i sold my games it wasn't that much but i sold them in in crypto and that's nice. how i got into crypto in canada using crypto at the time was difficult um especially cashing it out right so i held forcefully for like a few years um till what the, bitcoin well i had lots of crypto bitcoin xrp ethereum i had a few things as well um and so that did really well um and then the duration i was like still working as a freelancer like um out like during 
grade 11, 12, I was working as a freelancer for pretty much free. Like I was working for a studio here in Vancouver called um, LBC. They built like a, a weed game. So you plant marijuana. <laughs> they did like 40 M's in revenue. That, that was crazy. Wow. Um, you were, you were part of the development team. They did like a side side studio where we built a different game, like an investing game. Um, so I built that entire game in like two, like one year and a half. We built like an entire game of two versions, uh, and we launched it. There, I learned what so much. What takes so long to develop a game? What's the process like? It's a long process. You, I always wondered because you're like, okay, Grand Theft Auto Six. We've been waiting for. Oh, 10 that's years like for. a different scale. I'm talking about like an indie level mobile game. Right? Okay, even let's talk about indie mobile. So indie mobiles. We just planning you plan the entire game out then you basically build you hire like an artist and a developer this is like indie level we the artist would work on the art the developer would work on the development i was a developer we had an artist um and we just like put everything together we then go through multiple cycles of testing and then polish so after testing polish do a ua test user acquisition testing and that's the the step where pretty much all games die um, it's a it's a phase where you launch an ad campaign on Facebook or whatever to test how good the game is. People do people play? Do people spend money on it? And like these are like closed betas, open betas, alphas, beta. It's open beta. Okay. Uh, so we launch it and then you test the KPIs. We've done it twice. First time it did not so good. Second time it did somewhat good. Uh, the idea there was to reach a certain threshold of KPIs or key metrics, um, and then if it does, we would go with the publisher that launched the empire game the weed game that did 40ms and they would like i would get and that's why i worked for free like i was getting shares um i would get like 400k if it did if it did well and that's why i worked for a long time for free at the time i knew i wouldn't get it i knew the game wouldn't wouldn't make it right sorry to the partner i was working with <laughs> oh my god uh, but it was amazing learning experience you learn so much uh so you guys got paid nothing then more specifically i got paid like a thousand bucks Nice. Which I gave to my dad. Yeah. Uh, Might as well at this point. Yeah, man. yeah. So, a year and a half worth of your life, but you got something more valuable than a thousand bucks. I guess. Yeah, and I was like seventeen. Uh, seventeen. It was even against the terms of service to go on that website that I went to for freelancing. That's crazy. I had to like fake my ID on Photoshop. Yeah, don't say that. Now you're gonna get into trouble. I had, like at this point, I just uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. But I got that, um, and from there things picked up quickly because. That time is, I don't know if you remember or if you were in it, the bull market picked up for crypto. Um, and it was already like somewhat in crypto, never like development. So I got a gig from someone for like an insanely amount of money because they were in crypto, you launch anything, you make lots of money. Right? So I got it. Was this for a game? Yeah, for a game. So they wanted me to build a blackjack game. Um, I was young. I didn't know blackjack was haram or whatever. So I built a blackjack game. I right? love the first thing you said. I didn't know it was haram. Yeah, my dad actually commented on this, but I was making lots of money, so I didn't care. But um, at the time, at least. Uh, so I make the blackjack game in two weeks. So contrast from like 1.2 years to or 1.5 to two weeks. I That was like the moment where I was like working extremely hard. Five Red Bulls a day. Pretty much no sleep. You sleep for two hours, you wake up for another 24. Two weeks, we got it out. That game is like, half a million dollars i got nothing out of it from that raise but i made a lot of money from the game in two weeks That's right. crazy. so that was my first step into the blockchain money making uh method i guess um it, it was it, it was a good project but then went out of money so they rugged term used in the blockchain ecosystem when abroad just means they're, they're they're under, swept under the rug they're gone uh well no what rugged, the, rug? the term what the normies call it is because when you pull a rug means okay. everyone gets fucked over right? everybody gets fucked. so they didn't pull the rug. Like they raised a lot of money. A lot of people invested. 
all the investors lost money, but at the same time, it was just bad management, like in hindsight. Right. Um, that was the first project I've done, like I've worked with for. From there, it was still in the bull market because it was two weeks, right? The bull market lasted one year. Yeah. So my freelancing like profile picked up so so many so many gigs, and I was making like already like five six x what anyone who graduates out of school would make. That's amazing. So I just and you still had crypto anyways from that. I sold it at that time. I sold it. But uh, during the bull run, you mean? Yeah, I sold it. I sold it. Insane profit. I sold. uh, I was still like investing in a few things, but none of those investments did super well. Um, Because I I had no like thesis behind my investment. When did you get your first Bitcoin? What was the value at that time? Uh, 7,000. How many Bitcoins did you have? Oh, that's that's an answer. I can't. That's not. Wow, that's incredible. Don't even answer. That's amazing. You had that many? I had many, yeah. That's incredible. So. That was like the first thing. But then like from crypto, you make a lot more. Like holding is one thing to make money if you have a lot. But to make money in crypto, you got to have either patience. So you hold for a long time, five, 10 years, or become a founder, build your own project. And right now the bar is so low that if you build anything on crypto, you'll make money. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the bar went so low? Um, bear market conditions, no money, uh, VCs are just very dry. Um, so why, and now AI, there's a bubble, another bubble that picked up, which is AI. So why would anyone go on blockchain rather than going on AI? Right. So if you mix the two together, you can mix VC funds or like get funds from venture capitals and retail investors. There are still a lot of DGENs in Ethereum that would give you like a thousand dollars, $2,000 and imagine getting like 200, 200 of them, right? So you raise like half a million, half a million from VCs. You build an insane project. Then you launch it. You farm taxes like insane. Taxes, by the way, for context, is when you launch a token or like a cryptocurrency, there's a percentage for uh, every time someone makes a trade, you get a percentage of that trade, sell or buy. How much is that? Well, for majority of projects, on average, it's 5%. So imagine like tens of millions of dollars of, of volume. You make you make a living. That's amazing. You make yearly salaries like a day. That's amazing. Uh, so that was crypto. Did you ever create one of these projects? um anonymously yeah really yeah yeah incredible man recently how did that work come into because you were just starting to get all these freelance projects after that so freelance projects like they were good like that was the thing that made me drop out of school i was first year in in high school i was already making a lot of money so i yeah carlton if you're listening to this guess what i did i hired people to do my test for me no way uh and i don't care now because like it was online whatever because i didn't have time to to study right I, i was in software engineering it was very difficult nonsense courses. Who cares about biochemistry? Even if I, if you, even if I wanted to stay, right? No one cares about that thing. Chemistry. I don't care about that thing. I just hired people from five of like for, for a few hundred dollars, and they did my test for me. They aced it. Uh, You're just a fucking entrepreneur, and anyway. you're thinking outside the box like we do. And it was online, so like it was pretty easy to do 100%. so. Um, five months after I dropped out, my parents didn't know because they were against it. I mean, Arab people, bro. You don't have to tell me twice. Um, yeah, uh, I was kicked out. I got never got dropped out. I got kicked out. I mean, if I stayed, it would have, it would have been that because uh, like it got to a point where I had to go back in person and I knew nothing like about what they were doing in chemistry. I'm physics. Who, who cares about that? I'm in software engineering. Uh, you're already doing, you're already on your own path. You already found your own niche. And that's like another advice for everyone. Like if, don't drop out, obviously. That's not like a good advice, but find your own unconventional path if you want to have unconventional results. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me at the time, in hindsight, it wasn't that. It was like, I'm already doing my own thing. Why should I go through this path where pretty much like the, everyone in my courses in high school went, went in, in the same path, like software engineering, computer science. 
So what's going to make me stand out to those employers? hundred uh, percent. You know, and you guys are coming fresh out of school, no the, experience. And now yeah. you're coming out straight out the gates with experience. What's crazy is like the average for becoming a doctor or getting, getting accepted to becoming a doctor is lower than the average for getting accepted uh, into com- computer science. So that's how many people are applying uh, to computer science. That's crazy. And it's funny because they say we have a shortage on doctors and nurses. And you learn nothing. And like, I know a lot of my friends went into it. I know they like, they know how to code now, but you learn a lot more from like a six months gig in, on, on Upwork or Fiverr. I believe it. Uh, so that's why like it's outdated, it's expensive, waste of time. But you guys, everyone has their own path. There's always like a destination, lots of ways to get around it, right? Uh, but for me, like Upwork, I stopped it right after that project. Where did you get your first gig from? Upwork. Five? Upwork. It's a very good platform. If you're doing freelancing, Upwork is the way because they verify their freelancers, like phone call when you, first, you get your first gig, and you get to interact with a freelancer. Uh, so freelance, sorry, sorry, buyers or clients post their job listings, and you get to apply for them. Nice. So the harder you work by reviewing the the job, making a video, the easier it is for you to get the job. For mm-hmm. me, the easier the way I got jobs was working for free, showing them that I can do the work for them, like doing, giving them a demo app, and then get the job. So the, all of them, the copy-paste templates for applications, I was doing free work for them. And it works like every single time when you, when you put like free effort or free work for them. That's like, a yeah, good this. game you're putting people on right now. So Upwork. Yeah. And like numbers are insane on that, in that, in that platform. Like if you speak English, just speak English, right? At the time I spoke good English like right now, but if you just speak English or know how to communicate well, you're already on a different level. Really? Why is the majority of the buyers from? Uh, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, like they're just like outside countries. They're not a lot of people from. Those are the contractors, but the clients themselves are what more North American, yeah. Yeah, North American. Like, the people who pay the most are are from North America. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that was up. That's you know that's funny enough that you brought that up because one of the things seven segments I was speaking about a while ago. I think this is one of my first pods. I said the thing what working at home did is it just proved to employers we don't need you here. We can outsource and get get people from overseas and pay them a fraction of the wage. Well, I obviously somewhat depending disagree. on what it is, but I, I somewhat disagree. Um, not to the idea itself. I know it, it is possible, but for a lot of people right now in the tech space, it's a lot better to have people in your in your space. Uh, remote work, like remote leaders specifically, sucks, especially like a startups. Oh, I agree with you. I love in I love in the office. Yeah. So when it when it came when it became remote, it became even worse. Uh, if you're a good leader, you know how to manage a good startup, a good team. You can do it cross time zones, cross languages. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can do it. Yep. But if you're a bad leader, even if you're in person, it's still going to be uh, hard. I agree. Uh, but the, the difference is in person is a lot easier because uh, you see what you're working on. You have conversations. Uh, you're very, it's very interactive. Yeah. Uh, you're building a cultural, a culture in, your, in, that, in that team. Exactly. Yeah. You know? and, and when it's on the same time zone, same language, it's a bit easier as well. Uh, I went like a bit above when I said different languages across time zones, but it is true. Like I see cross functional teams where they speak different languages. They, they're on cross time zones. Like people go in Amsterdam and some are in the UK. My first project, I was in Canada. Someone was in Scotland. The other guy was in Japan. Jeez. So it was three people, right? It, different time zones. We just managed well. Uh, it was three people, easy to move, not a big team. Uh, Did anybody have to wake up early, go to sleep late? No sleep. When crypto, no sleep. Fuck that. I just, yeah. That's it. You're, you're awake. You're awake. Let's yeah. go. And yeah, that's another point I wanted to touch on. Like people who say you got to have like two hours before you sleep so you can sleep well. Bro, when you're an entrepreneur, you're not sleeping. I love it, man. You're on the <laughs> grind. I always, yeah. 
That's you know it's funny. You know how I used to keep myself away? How? I used to just tell myself over and over again. I'm 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 literally on the verge of passing out like this, right? <laughs> and I keep seeing real men don't get tired. Money doesn't sleep, so I don't either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you... I'm literally like this, like like that. Literally, I'm like drunk, half drunk. I'm like fucking stay awake. Let's go. Yeah. And if you if you need like two hours to sleep, then you're not tired. You haven't worked hard enough. For me, I if I if I'm tired, like right now, I'm really tired, right? If I put my head on the, on the pillow, I'm I'm asleep. So you, why do you need two hours before, two hours after you wake up to get working? That's already four hours out of your day. And your day is like 24 hours. Man, I hate sleep. I won't lie to you. Um, yeah. If I never needed sleep, if I was like bionic, I'd be very happy. I might be able to accomplish. Yeah. It'd be very nice. But on the other side, like sleep is good. When I sleep, I I'm fucking like, hate sleeping, man. It's okay. Enjoy it while it lasts, you know? I have enough time to sleep when I'm dead. Right now, I'm trying to enjoy life. Fair enough. Uh, for me, I actually enjoy life more when I'm like energized, like after good sleep. But I don't like the idea of dedicating time prior to sleeping and then after you wake up get to work finish work sleep that's it uh, I agree with you. or sleep go have fun that's it like why those people who have like morning routines or night routines wash your face and go to bed 100%. or shower and go to bed 100 you know what my big thing is this you know it's everyone talks about a work-life balance I, what i try to do is i try to enjoy my life outside of work yeah if i'm not working sure i don't know how to clock out sometimes but let's say if there's a Sahara, I'm chilling. I'm fucking chilling. Yeah, you bet your ass I'm having the best fucking night. All you guys are having the best night, and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the best way. So, like, being able to avoid all distractions from work, that's, that's the best way. Why am I going to go? You know, I, you know what? The thing is, it's crazy. Is a lot of people, what they do is if they go out, to, let's say we go out, have a good night. Why are you bringing your work with you, bro? Yeah, 100%. Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're talking to me about your job right now? What the fuck? I don't even care. We're not working. Let's yeah. have fun. What are we trying to do? Why are we always planning on, and, uh, and all we know how to do is set tasks and goals. But when it comes to our time for ourselves and enjoying it with good company, that's the way. Enjoy it with good company. Yeah. For me, like right now, most of my friends are in universities, like outside Canada. I got two here and then the rest are outside. So my off time is with my family or sometimes, and this is something I learned recently. It was hard to learn as well, but it was self-love. Um, I sacrificed like a lot of my health throughout 2020, 2020 to 2022 uh, through Red Bulls. Like I was drinking five a day, bro. That's not That's good. fucking crazy, man. I don't even know how you didn't have a heart attack. Now I can drink one and go to bed. That's how bad it got. But I was sacrificing a lot of my health, relationships, uh, a lot of things. It paid off, I guess, but um, tons of sacrifice. And uh, recently I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, bro, I let you down. Like it, it's almost like looking at someone that you're supposed to take care of, like a, a your kid. I know you have two kids. Congrats. Thank you, Harvey. Uh, it's the same way. But I was looking at myself. I was looking at myself in the mirror. Nice abs, bro. But I was looking. <laughs> I was looking at the at my eyes. So it was different. And from there, I started like going out by myself, having nice dinners, um, holding myself to higher standards. So like not talking with people I don't need to talk with, not chasing after things in life that i don't see value in watch yourself if your parents are watching bro don't bring up females here okay no females so uh, okay. i am on that on that Take part though they're taking part of, they're taking care of it like uh okay, arranged good. marriage i guess very good sure i'm, I'm, ass I'm assuming you have the same thing oh me yeah. no my bro my was an interesting story man how about i tell you when i met my oh, man you know what you're oh, married now so your parents i don't, I don't know if that. i'm there yet to fucking see that story that story was brutal bro really yeah, man. I when I met my wife, interesting enough, it was a, a. I used to be friends with her brother years ago. Okay. Okay. Anyways, we had an altercation. I didn't like his friends, so 
anyways, I went down. We beat up a bunch of his friends. And then tried to get involved, told him to stay out of it. Years go by. Years. Like six years. By the way, I'm 32. My wife is 28. Okay. So when this happened, I'm thinking 2010, 11. So she would have been, what, 15? Who the fuck would she have been, bro? I never would have looked at her anyways. I would have been 19, 20. Or 18, 19. So years go by. I meet my wife, okay? At the time being, you know, I, I met her. Beautiful girl. You know, let's have a conversation. Start chatting, whatever, and then we start, you know, getting to know each other. Two weeks later, she comes up to me, and she's bawling her eyes out. And I'm thinking, bro, why the fuck? I just met you. Why the Where's the... Is this new drama coming up? What the fuck are you crying for, you know? So obviously, okay, let me see what's going on. I said, why are you crying? What's going on? She's like, oh, my parents don't want me to talk to you. I said, your parents? How the fuck do they even know me? You know what she tells me? She's like, oh, my brother's so-and-so. Oh. I said, wow, what a small fucking world. So then that became a thing because I'm this violent, tough guy, whatever. I can't say much of my history here, but and then obviously I was known. Okay. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, we'll talk to them, schmooze it out, you know what I mean? Let me introduce myself. I'm not this guy from yeah. 2010, 2011. This is fucking seven, eight years later now. You know what I mean? And then I met the parents. That is fantastic. It's awesome. Her fucking dad, I'm telling you right now, he's one of the most down-to-earth guys there is. Hard to find. And the guy even knew what I was. <laughs> that was the crazy part. Knew about my past, the entirety of it. Okay. You know what I mean? Bro, I was pretty famous at some point, man, to be very honest. like Or infamous, I should say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very, very, it's very fucking awkward having a conversation like that with another Arab man. Because I had the intention of marrying yeah. the daughter, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's my thing for guys. Yeah. If you're going to try to be with a woman, don't be with her for the sake of if you only be with her if you're looking for marriage, don't try to test the fucking waters. Yeah, yeah 100%. You know what I mean? If you're going to get married, have the intention of being uh, if, have the yep. intention of getting married and then you get to know that person. Yeah. You don't like, need to fucking be 10 years with that person and be like, "Oh, well, let me see if it works out or not." 100%. Even like my English friends who are from Canada have the same mindset now, which is like shows how good our group, my circle is right now. Um I feel the same way. And that's why I wanted to like leave it to my parents. Right now, finding a girl for me at least is impossible. Uh, first of all, no time like to go outside. I don't go out much. When I go out by myself, I go to a restaurant, eat, go back home. Uh, but what does your day look like, by the way? It's Let, let's get some contrast. What is, give, me a, give me your day. You woke up what time? Today, I woke up. Fuck today. Let's go last week. Give me your busiest day. Um, so I wake up pretty much every day at nine. Uh, when I sleep, when I sleep is different. 9 a.m. You wake up at 9? Yeah. Fuck, I haven't had a 9 a.m. wake up in years. When do you wake up? Oh, fuck that, bro, with the chickens. Wake up at 5? I hate it. So I'm not a My son's person. a true Muslim, bro. That guy wakes me up at fucking Fajr, bro. <laughs> He's only two and a half. 5.40, okay. I hear him going crazy in his crib, and I'm like, oh, my God. Fair enough then. Let's get up fine, man. You know what I mean? So it's around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. That's not bad. So at 9 o'clock, you wake up. 8.59 to be specific. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when my alarm is. I wake up then. I sleep at like 4 or 5. In the morning? Yeah, 4, 3, 4, 5, yeah. In the morning. And you don't have time? Okay, this is very interesting. Okay. So I have a full-time job now at a company in Montreal. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, like, the, the guys who... Started like from the start with them, okay. so we're building like some blockchain infrastructure stuff for Very game developers. 
Um, so nine, that's when I wake up. Good morning in the group chat. Yo, guys, what's up? And then from there till five, um, that's like my full-time job. Right? Okay, so nine to five. Nine to five. It's a very good job. It's uh, I do a lot of really cool things that you don't get to do in, in a normal enterprise. Right? Ubisoft? No, no, I work with uh, Ludex. Cool. Um, so I work with them. After five, take a break. Maybe like get a quick nap, 20 minutes. 20 minute naps are insane. The best. Like you relax your <laughs> eyes. You get that power nap going. Yeah. Uh, your eyes, like they need that. Especially if you're staring at a screen for tw- like eight hours straight. I agree. Um, and I usually have like the hated eye, 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 eye mask. Nice. So Do you feel like that works, by the way? That does work. Because yeah. your okay. old glands get uh, dry. Dry. Um, and, and it makes me like almost fresh again. I wake, I wake up, I'm, I'm fresh. Right? It's a new day for me. After that, I, I work on side projects. Uh, right now, um, I'm working on three. Nice. You should, if you're not in crypto, you should always focus on one. Focus, go all in on one. In crypto, though, a day is like a year. So if you're not hardworking, you won't make it. You got to be like on the clock working 24-7. So what do you do in terms of work for crypto? So right now, um, I'm running a project. I'm somewhat doxxed there. Like I have my face on it. So I'll, oh. I'll talk about it a, a little bit more. It's a, it's a project where we basically handle, it's like Fiverr. We built like an escrow platform Interesting. through Telegram. We basically match buyers with, uh, with service providers uh, instantly. And we give you the best prices. On Fiverr, if you look at Fiverr, for example, there's lots of prices, different prices from like five bucks to $20,000. And it's insane. As a new project founder, it's confusing. Like, what should I pay? Yeah, exactly. If you see these prices, give some advice. If you were to see some prices like that and you see five, the contrast between $5 yeah. and $10,000, you're like, who the fuck do I hire at this point? Exactly. Is, is $5 go a long way or is $10,000 go a long way? And oftentimes, it's like the same service that you get. The difference is the experience of the person. For us, what we did was using AI, so natural language, you just say, I ha- this is my budget. This is what I'm going to get. We match you with a person. Um, that's one of the things we built. And it's all through like for crypto oriented projects. So projects who just raise some money uh, and want to build a product. And in crypto, you see this like every day. Is this fully functional right now or is yeah, it still a prototype? It's full, fully functional. We, yeah. we launched. It's been launched? Yeah, it's been about a crazy month, actually. Wow. Um, that's when we launched it. And then we added like multiple features. So in crypto, actually, there's this thing called OTC. Not just in crypto, there's also in the stock market where you OTC big shares or big Holdings. Explain what OTC is because many people over the counter. So you basically uh, say, for example, I'm trading Bitcoin and I have a thousand Bitcoins. If I want to go through an exchange, it's risky. One, I lose fees. Two, they might just rug, rug, just like scam me. Exactly. You said pull out the rug. Unless it's a trusted exchange, which most people do. A thousand Bitcoin for exchanges is not that much, but you get the point. Like lots of coins or coins that are not on exchanges. OTC is basically me going with a middleman saying, hey, I want to sell those coins for $10,000. Yeah. They match me with someone, we do the exchange, and then that's it. They take their no phone. fees. Uh, they get a cut usually, uh, and there's no slippage. In crypto, there's DEXs, decentralized exchanges, where there's taxes, fees, and gas prices. So three fees that you're paying. I think the gas prices and some of them are nuts. Like Ethereum at some point got really bad. I mean, like people always complain, but those are noobs. Like yeah. 80 bucks, yeah, sure, but you're making like $10,000 on a trade. Like... 80 bucks compared to $10,000 and you like you do win 2x. Did you play with NFTs by the way? Uh, I found that was very I did. That well, that's when I went first. It's like it was a very good pump but it died quick. It's a bubble. Everything is a uh, bubble in, in, in the world, right? Um 
some of them will last longer and some of them will not last at all like nfts nfts are pretty much dead now yeah um but that was my first like step into crypto was through nfts um and it raised like half a million dollars interesting yeah i'm telling you like at the time you do anything i'm selling couches as nfts <laughs> you sell it out <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy and you say yeah we're doing revenue share guys one percent of the sales we give them back to community oh, everyone yeah. buys yeah. Uh, it's all of speculations narratives and and just BS. Things pumped like crazy as well. Like people were making money as well. Uh, but for this project, OTC is like a service that we offer. So there's no middleman. It's all like trust. It's all trustless in the sense that it's all through a smart contract. That's the idea of blockchain. Decentralized. Right. You send funds there. I send funds there. The exchange happens and we just get our cut. There's no gas. There's no um, uh, slippage and there's no taxes. So you avoid three sorts of fees and you get your funds worth. Perfect. You just take your cut, go home. Yeah, um, and we're also doing an exchange. And both of those are powered by AI. When I say AI, it's not a buzzword, guys. It's just um, you're able to use plain English. For example, if you never knew what exchanging is, you would just say, I want to swap my Bitcoin to Ethereum, and that's it. And then it does the rest. Yeah, so it's like through intense. Obviously, we'll chat with you because it needs to know how much and where to send it to, but that's it. Like It's just using ChatGPT for... Where did you come up with this idea? Uh, we have some good backing. We have some big brains behind this project. Um, and so, were you, were you the one that came up with this idea, or you're just part of the project? I'm uh, one of the first guys that started. That's interesting. Project, yeah. Good for you. Um, and and so this project did really well. Now we're launching two more. Those Gosh. ones you can't talk about just yet. Um, I don't want to speak about them, but they're exciting. So they're both of them are hedge funds. Hedge funds are basically a, a, where you basically collect money from investors. That's right. And invest it in something, and then returns you return back to to people. Because of our circle now. Like when you get to a certain level in crypto where you're just often given private sales where you invest like a small amount and then you get the earliest price ever. Um, when you're in that position, you have lots of connections. So you can raise lots of funds very quickly overnight because they that you know that those people will make money and they know too. Of course. So they know you produce. Yeah. Huh. They know like like that for this project, the investors that we've had so far, they're at 70x. So that's incredible numbers. That's 70 insane. 70x in one month is insane. That's and amazing. They're like over the moon. One guy, it was funny because I was in Amsterdam like uh, a week or so ago. I was in Uber. He, I got him in early. Like he, he got him at a small valuation and I was like a 4x. On the second day he invested, it did like a 2x. He was over the moon. Uber drivers are not that rich, right? 100%. So him getting a 2x on like a big investment he was over the moon. He was texting me like throughout my trip. It's like, yeah, let me give you the free rides if you need anything. <laughs> so like it's now it's a matter of who do you choose for? Like who provides you the most value, not just money wise. So a lot of those people are actually influencers. Uh, in crypto, there's this idea of KOLs, key opinion leaders, where you are on Twitter, you say, hey, go, guys, go buy this token and you bring this volume. Um, and so for those two hedge funds, the reason why I think they're going to do well is because we're select, going to be selective of who we take who we take money from. That's right. And we're only going to take it from marketers. Um, that way, you know, they shill or market this coin and it does well. From Do you have any influencers that are part of the team or people that you currently work with that you're pushing it out to? We don't work with, like, influencers never become part of your team. What you do is you make connections with them. You offer them deals uh, or access to private sales. So you give them access to the, such investments. Because they invest like $2,000 each, 2,070x, that's like a yearly salary. That's incredible. And if you do like multiple, if they get into multiple projects, it's pretty good. Um, so crypto is insanely profitable nowadays. And 
and back in 2021, which I missed obviously because I was working as a freelancer, it was even crazier. Like raising 140k now is like raising 1.4 million then. That's insane. Uh, yeah. So obviously they were able to raise more money back then than today. Yeah. Most, is it because you find a lot of people are scared of crypto because they're like it's a bear market? A uh, lot less people. The people who stuck, which is better for a lot of you guys, to be honest. Yeah, a lot less people. Um, back then it was a lot of the venture capitals also were getting involved, which is a lot of money. Uh, but also a lot of normies, lots of them, uh, normies who don't know anything. And I hate to say this, but normies are the ones that get wrecked because they, you got to differentiate holding, like being able holding a good project and a bad project. A lot of those coins that do like a hundred x in a month, like this one won't last 25 years right so you holding so it's for a pump and dump not a pump and dump there's a difference pump and dumps are very clear they're they pump and then dump very clear this one though like the one i'm working on do you think it will last 25 years yes or no no then why would you stake it for 25 years that's true why are you doing staking, a diamond staking is basically locking your coins for 25 years yeah. so the normies do it because they earn apy it's like having your money in a savings account so you earn like in bank accounts, you earn like 1% uh, staking, you earn like crazy percentage, you earn like 25 or 50%. No. To normies, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm making 50% in a year. That's crazy. And then they get rugged? Then most of those projects rugged. Now I'm, I'm speaking about mine. I'm, I don't think it will last 25 years, 50 years. Maybe it does, but I, I definitely don't think it will last. Like an, uh, it won't last anything less than like 20 years. Sorry, like 10 years. It's a, it's a product that actually has user now, users now. Which is something that you rarely see in crypto nowadays. Users that are using your product. How uh, long does it take on a project like this for it to be worked on? From development, from incubation, all the way to development and launch? Uh, this one specifically took three months in development. We pivoted after a month. So two months to actually build a new product. Interesting. And, and then it took another month. You have to get into a mentality, not just in crypto, of making a product that makes revenue as soon as possible. Speed. It's all about speed. Not just speed. Like... Uh, it, it's just get to revenue as soon as possible. You're selling couches, find a way to make money right away. Maybe flipping couches. You're you're selling anything pre-sale. You got to find a way to validate your idea so you know it makes money. So you're not wasting six months to a year for building something. I agree with you. Uh, in crypto, because days move fast, like everything that's something new, you're forced to be in that mentality uh, of building, launching, farming taxes. Um, and then doing something else. I love how you made that smirk when you started talking about taxes. Bro, taxes are nuts. Like, I fucking hate taxes. You're telling me, man. I'm cutting these bastards all the time. I'm not talking about like government taxes. I'm oh, talking, talking about, about crypto taxes. Crypto, crypto taxes are like trading. Uh, yeah. So taxes are like... Um, the fees. Again, the fees. Yeah. So 5% on like... Those coins get traded insane, like insane, insane amount. There's a project called ATOR. Uh, I know the founder personally. They just yesterday made like half a million dollars in volume. Uh, sorry, half a million dollars in taxes. And that's just like 4%. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. It, and it's a small it's coin. It's fucking amazing cut though for them. Good for them. Yeah. And so why would you, in crypto, why would you go approach venture capitals if you know how to make money? And there's plenty of ways of making money. Um, you get you just got to have experience. And Do you like to deal with the VCs? That's what that's one other thing I've been doing for a while now. It's basically like an agency where I help venture capital. Sorry, founders fundraise. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly did it for DGEN projects like those ones uh, that I'm running where in crypto. But VCs dealing with them now is painful. They're very slow. Very. It's just like when you have a term investor associated with your name. Yeah. 
automatically your ego is here and now it's here for no reason. Like you just have just because they feel like they're backed by VCs. No, no. If you are an investor, right? If you if you've ever invested in anything, most of those VCs, even if you're just like a venture capital associate, which is someone who just does research, yeah. their ego starts here. They get the position now. It's all the way up here. <laughs> I'm a VC, guys. So I, I go to those conferences and like we speak with them. It's like, bro, relax. You, you like just calm down a little bit. Yeah, and and dealing with them like that is is annoying. Uh, on top of that, now their market is slow in the blockchain, so they just waste time, in the sense that they don't want to invest. They don't. They, they know they're not going to invest. They just have follow on meetings, uh, asking questions. You would have think after the crash, they at least would have been more humble, huh? They're never humble. Like those guys. I mean, some of them are not egotistical either. Some of them are just quiet, which is they don't care. It's all about the numbers. No, no. Quiet is 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 somewhat humble, somewhat egotistical. Depends on how you look at it. For me, it's uh, I, I sometimes go quiet too. It's like a way for learning, right? You listen you to the other party. But when it gets quiet, you gotta engage with the conversation so you the other party knows that you're listening. That's right. They don't do that. Um, they just listen and move on. And some guys like don't even want to say hi to you. Really? And you're in a networking event. Like you're there to network. Well, I would like if I come up to you, say hi. You know, get to me how you like in Amsterdam so far. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not asking for your money. So multiple guys, guys would be like, yo, I'll just get, I have to go. And let's go. That's crazy. Do you feel like the VCs just sit on one side of the room and then everyone else is on the other side? Yeah. Do they, they differentiate themselves? They want you to know I'm VC? They do. They, they buy the VIP tickets. Yeah, that's crazy. They get like a bracelet that's like blue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flex as well. Like having uh-huh, the, I the, get the, it. Yeah, the bracelet. But, I get it. Uh, Dealing with some of them is, is also good. Like some of them provide enormous value, like especially if you're a crypto project. Yeah. They give you their access to the network, which is always massive. Right. Um, they give you access to exchanges. They give you better deals. They give you credits from AWS, which is like Amazon. Some of them are amazing. But right now, things are slow. And my, my biggest like ick, I guess, is VCs who are either re- raising and wasting your time or because VCs raise from LPs, right? They raise yeah. from limited partners or the ones who have no money to invest and are just wasting your time uh asking endless questions giving useless feedback and acting like they know what they're doing so what about the ones that are on these two projects for the head funds uh we're not going through vcs we're going through angels so all those are through just angels venture capital is usually i'll uh, tell the people what angels are angels are just people who make money or made money um and have or give you small checks those people are usually hardworking and they They've been in your shoes. So they're either founders, doctors, lawyers, uh, entrepreneurs, um, anyone who makes a lot of money, crypto people, marketers, right? Who have a lot of money and they want to invest it. So we get in touch with them, that we pitch them their idea. You like it? Cool. Let's let's get it. Let's sign a check and uh, let's see what value can bring to the table. <clears throat> Most of the time, the value is clear. I'm a marketer. I'm someone who been in who's been in gaming. I've been a CTO before. I've been a CEO before. So value is clear with those angels and you only speak with one of them with venture capitals they try to take over meaning they want to buy as much supply as possible that's right or the ones who invest obviously and i don't necessarily recommend that route for early stage startups because you're giving out out too much supply or too much equity when you're at later stages you have more leverage you have revenue you have traction that's what we're doing now with this company we're going through venture capitals for the two hedge no, the, the other, the other, one, the escrow one. That's wrong. <clears throat> we're we're raising through uh, venture capitals. We're only giving like five percent away, compared <laughs> to pre-seed. Would we would get? We would have been giving out like sixteen percent, um, and raising like a sizable amount. And now it's like, 
thing with venture capitals is you gotta have FOMO, right? You gotta build uh, fear of missing out. That's right. So, yeah, you're creating buzz anyways. You want them to be able to, like, I'm gonna miss out on this money. Exactly. So right. now it's like we have the FOMO. It's good marketing. And what can you bring to our table? Can you put us in exchanges? Can you put us in touch with other angels? Can you put us uh, in touch with your portfolio companies? That's another kind of like thing that we're looking for. Uh, because we offer like hiring, if we go through venture capitals, we get access to their portfolio companies, companies who they invest in. Do they, they also have influencers part of that sphere? No, no. Venture capitals usually don't interact with them. No. Especially the ones that pump coins or give you big pumps. Why? Those people are hard to get in touch with. Like it's not easy to get in touch with such people. Okay. Um, it's like reaching out to Logan Paul. How how easy do you think that would be? I guess it'd be pretty tough. Yeah. Um, he might be in touch with some influencers. He might be. You might get him through some agents, but unless you are you've made Logan Paul money before, he will not trust you. Especially after CryptoZoo, blah blah blah, all his all is done, or he will just not. He will just completely ignore you. CryptoZoo is a very interesting one. What was your take on that? I don't think Logan didn't know that the guys he was working with are stu- like uh, are scammers. There's no shot. When you work in a team, you can always sense if someone has bad intentions easily, especially with such amount. 100%. Right? Like I've worked with multiple team members on different startups where I knew this guy is there for the money. This guy is struggling with money. So he's also there and motivated by the money. And this guy will only put in work once he sees money, right? I knew, and it's very easy to see. So with Logan Paul, all his team, like he put all the blame on the, his development team. That's bullshit. Um, 100%. No? Yeah. I mean, and right now he has the funds to refund everyone. Even if he if we, like refunded everyone who lost money exactly to the dollar, why not just do it? 100%. Just greed. That's it. That, exactly. That's if you really didn't know, give him back your money. Yeah. Um, he didn't make much out of it either. Like the coin didn't do too much volume. It definitely harmed his name though. It harmed his name, but realistically speaking, how much? I guess well, now with the prime deals. No, not just the prime deals. So he leached on KSI, um, and now he entered like a new fan base, WWE, which most of them don't know about Logan Paul. But now see his performance, I'm like, yeah, this this guy is cool. Which right? I still don't understand. I don't think he's that good, to be very honest. With I have never watched him, but I, I've no. heard some stories about him being. Like I think Jake cool. is way better than this brother. Really? <laughs> well, especially in terms of boxing, though. Um. D box Dylan. I mean, his boxing against Dylan Dennis it was pretty good. I would say. No, no. He's uh, being trained by real fucking fighters, bro. He has real coaches, yeah. real everything. Do you think he you was? I mean? Do you think he was on the juice? It's a tough one, bro. He was definitely. He better. looked like it. He, he looked, looked like it. No, I, I, that's like the body I want to have too. Sometimes. Soon. Good for him. You know what? If yeah. he found something that he truly enjoys, it's funny because when you when you watch Jake Paul, he is a fucking, he's a shit disturber the whole nine. Yeah. But deep down, he's the kind of guy that looks like he's just, you know, he holds it down for his team. You see his brother, it's almost like you see that jealousy. And you see that envy and how, oh, my brother's overshining me. And then you look and you're like, holy fuck. Do you have siblings? Do you have brothers? I have a young brother, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. because I, I'm the youngest. I have an older brother. I'm like, what the fuck? If that was my brother? I love how Andrew Tate and Tristan do it. I love that. That's yeah. my brother. I'm proud of him. Yeah. I got his back. What the fuck? Why wouldn't I be happy? Yeah. My brother's killing it. And then he yeah. fucking throws Jake under the bus. I'm like, that's disgusting, man. Yeah, no, the, the Tristan, like the Tate, I don't like Andrew Tate, by the way. Um, not for what he's preaching now. He's preaching good stuff. But 
I think what he did was do bad stuff and then kind of combine it together. And now everyone is like overlooking what he did before. Um, you can't do that. Like he's done bad stuff before. Now he's breaching good stuff to make money. But Very why clear. do you think you can't do that? Shouldn't everybody have entitlement to another chance in life? Yeah, he could. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm not going to overlook that fact. Um, he does have another chance and a lot of people like him now. But do you, there's always a chance for him to do that next thing when he runs out of things, right? Or when he like his business dies down, which has been declining. Uh, which one, Hustlers University? Yeah, I think it was making like five M's a month or something. Now it's like two hundred members, so still making sizable amounts of money, but it's a lot less, right? And I actually tried it. It's not there's not much value in there. Um, I tried it. I guess it works for some people, but for me, it wasn't. It wasn't like oh, I never, I never did the whole. Thing. I, it's funny enough. I subscribed at some point. Yeah. I said I was going to try it out just so for the sake of you hear a lot of people saying good things are bad. Yeah. I wanted my own contrast. I never ended up having time. What I mean, did you think about it? I think like for a lot of people, it's good. Um, for people that have no experience, are we talking about? Yes. Okay. Yes. So guys no like experience us, that are lost, completely lost because yeah. the education system is terrible now. Like I've been through high school. It's you're always competing against another person. And that's not a good mentality to be in when you're in business, right? Always competing for that A plus, and then you're only studying. The only motivation is to get that A plus or on top of your class. That's not a good mentality to be in. Um, I guess some other people are there to be doctors, but for me, it was just me to 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 look like the cool kid who had an A plus. Sure. Or to impress our times my are so different. My time is they're fucking afraid to fail because they're gonna get beat up. By their parents, you know what I mean? I, I mean, that was always there too. I don't know about no competition. No one didn't give a fuck about that. They just wanted that A because we truly believed we're going to go get an education, get a fuck, get a, get a job. Yeah, different times you know for I mean? sure. Buy a house, mortgage, credit, whatever. In different times. But the Andrew Tate Hustler University, it shows you options. It shows you that there are other ways. Okay. So that's, that's pretty good. So this is something very good for somebody that's brand new? Yeah, brand new people. Oh. You got you to gotta explore options. Um, you got to try things out. You gotta take risk. You yeah. gotta go down the unconventional path. And again, this is starting to be a conventional path where a lot of people are going down, and a lot of bubbles will bubbles are gonna burst. 100%. Blockchain, AI, whatever it is. But in any industry, if you stick to something for enough time, you'll make it. Hundred percent. So if you have like a year or two on your hands, and if you're young, there's no risk. Like you don't have a family that's gonna starve if you don't work. That's right. Um, so what are you waiting for? Kind of thing. Just being lazy. That's it. I'm not saying everyone everyone has their own conditions either, but that's why I like the Hustlers University. Is it yeah. worth the price? No. I think it's scamming everyone. Because <laughs> like 50 bucks, that's insane for how much. Well, maybe somebody should try it out for a month and get some juice out of it and then run away. You know what's funny? I tried to cancel it. So every choice you choose, he has like a video of him kind of <laughs> shitting on you, telling you why you shouldn't cancel. That's <laughs> uh, actually, you know, a good marketer though. Yeah. No, you can definitely not fucking knock the yeah. Very smart guy for sure. And I like the bond between him and his brother. That's why I Oh, a lot of you. I like Andrew Tate. You, you, you like him? Yeah. What do you think about his, like, about his past? I don't think of a fuck about the past, bro. Okay. The reason why I don't care about the past is because we all have a past. You know what I mean? I'm not going really to yeah. harp on someone's past because in the end of the day, let's be very honest. We all did fucked up shit. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly don't know much about the fucked up shit that he did. And you know what? I'm not going to sit there. And if it's a, it's a case of that lover boy shit that they were talking about, what he's being persecuted under. Yep. I don't care about any of that. I honestly think it's a political assassination that they're trying to go against them. Listen, I live my life the way I live my life. Yeah. I'm just giving my side of the version. I'm just giving my opinion. 
Fair enough. You know, we've all done crazy shit. The fact that in the end of the day, you flip that narrative and you're actually helping people with the narrative that you're you're pushing. So you can get you can make better looking men, better versions of men. Yep. I'm with that. I'm with that too. The only reason why I'm against, like the only thing I'm against is I saw clips on Twitter of him beating women. So that was I I've guess, never seen that. That's crazy. I've seen multiple clips of him. Uh, he beating said, women? Yeah, beat, he said it was like role play or whatever. Mm. The woman came out saying the same thing. But to me, it didn't look like it. And that's just like my perception of it, right? So that's the only reason why I don't respect him too much. Uh, obviously, you've done it in the past. What's stopping you from doing it now? What he's doing now, though, is very good. For the youth, a lot of men are lost in this world. And I feel like what he's preaching, workout, you know, discipline, being a, a good man, especially now uh, with what's happening with a lot of things here in Canada, I think it's very, very needed. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, but my big this is it's funny enough because when he came out and he was saying whatever he was saying listen I don't agree with everything he says yeah I don't the whole cheat on you can cheat on people multiple partners that might have been the persona he was portraying before maybe Islam yeah you know what I mean but remember as a Muslim right the second he became a Muslim member he's reborn yeah so that's why I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna go away from that portion of, of my belief Everybody did fucked up shit. My thing, I've been preaching forever. Like as an example, you were just saying before we were talking about get up, going to do it. Are you really working your best? Is this really the hardest you're doing right now? That's my thing. Is it really? There's no fucking way. Yeah. That's what you were built for. That's all you're going to achieve. You didn't feel like at some point, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just slack a little bit. Come on. Tell yourself the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with that as well. So everyone's entitled to their own opinion, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. What would you leave people with today? We're running out of time. What would you leave people with today? With your journey, you have a very interesting story, man. Started off from yeah. nothing and rubbles and, and war. And look at you now, man. You know what I mean? You got your chance. You came to Canada. Look what you built. Yeah. What's your advice to people? Um, find your luck. Look at, your, look at the elevators that um, will move you up, the elevators that will keep you stationary, and the elevators that will move you down. You'll never know right away, especially if you're a beginner, but you got to take them first to understand, right? So take opportunities. If you're young, take risks. If you're old, stick to something. Stick to something for a year, 10 years, five years. You'll generate results. Whatever that thing is, I prefer if it's on the internet, that's where the money is now. I know you're in like in construction, whatever. No, I have ventures everywhere, man. Yeah. So internet is where the money is. That's where the scale is. Um, but anything you do will will make you money. Like if you work a job very hard for a year, you get promoted to top levels and you'll make more. Study for a year, you'll make more. That's right. Just stick with something and have self-discipline. I love the message, honestly, that you're bringing Mo. I'm calling you Mo now. I fucking, we Maj. went from Majid to Maj to Mo. Yeah. Listen, man, it was such a pleasure, brother. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I know me. we're running out of time. I brought you this as well. I wanted to give you the start, but... I love it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. What do we got here today, guys? We're doing a gift opening. I couldn't leave. Uh, okay. How was the mic level on that one? I'm going to burst ears, eh? <laughs> this is a good one, too. I actually really like this one, eh? Really? I appreciate this one. Yeah, man. Right, I appreciate this one. How Guys, if you like what you saw, if you like what you see, like always, we always appreciate the love and support. Please like, share, subscribe, hit that bell button. 
We're going to be coming at you with beautiful content. Guys like Majid, incredible story. Look, came a long way. So until next time, guys, we'll see you next time.